You're listening to The Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Scaiano. This is part two of my conversation with visual thinking expert, Brandy Agerbeck. You know, you can go back and listen to part one, which was posted last week, but this episode is not dependent on that one. Today, Brandy and I are talking about building a body of work. This is so important in your business, and it's so important to leverage your knowledge, your expertise with the body of work that you create so that you can do it all. You know, it all works and it all relates back to the main thing that you do. Brandy has mastered creating various pathways for the expertise that she has. All roads lead back to the main work that she does now, teaching visual thinking. Every pathway makes sense. And we even touch a bit upon being a multi-passionate entrepreneur. But this is not that. This is a talk about finding your focus, your gift, your passion, and applying it to different mediums. It's all about using parts of the whole to create interesting content and revenue streams for your business. It's about creating more without burnout. And Brandy even touches on how her inspiration led her to busting out some work in a flash. You know, it's possible when we are so engaged in what we do and are following the cues presented to us. So without further ado, the long game is Building a Body of Work with Brandy Agerbeck. You're listening to The Long Game Podcast with Sandra Scaiano. In a world where everyone is doing, it's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The Long Game is my approach to business. The actual day-in and day-out philosophy that you have to show up, you have to do the work, and there's no quick fixes for long-term success. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, and I'm here to share the process and lessons I experience with my clients daily who are going through the same struggles of building a business as you are. We'll hear from successful entrepreneurs sharing their long-game strategies, and I'm fun, so we're going to have a little fun along the way too. Thanks for being here. Let's get to today's episode. When I look at what you've done, I know you personally, so I know all these amazing things, but you've really created this amazing body of work. I mean, you've done a TED Talk, you've written a couple books, you have courses, you have membership options, you teach live, you are a speaker, and people can hire you privately as a facilitator, and not in a, oh, there's just, you're scattered. No, this is about being creating this body of work that is multiple outlets and streams based off of the same thing. And I think yeah. that's super valuable. And I really want to um, dive into that a little bit more about how does that come about? Was that your vision? You know, like, uh, did that just kind of happen? And how that really works for you, you know, it's a business, right? Like, no matter what, you'd be doing your artistic things, but this is also yep. a business. So having a body of work and how it supports us in our business. Absolutely. I think first I want a couple really quick context setters. I'm a weirdo in the fact that I was the kid who always drew. I fell into that weird job of graphic facilitation, which we talked about last time when I was 22 years old and I didn't and know like, my ass from my what elbow. what is that, right? We were like, <laughs> right. what was that? <laughs> right. And so a lot of people have a lot of different paths, a lot of crossroads. 
First, I just want to say I'm somebody who has always been on one very clear path, which I'm extremely thankful for. I get to work to my strengths every day. So just to, again, if people's inner critics, as they hear this, if your inner critic starts getting loud and, and poking at you, just know that it takes every one of us time to figure out what is the thing we're here to do. You know, let's slather on more cliches about your passion and da 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 times. But the one component is it just takes time for you to figure out, you know, you, you say yes to everything till you figure out what you say no to, right? And then you figure out, oh, no, the, this is what I'm here to do. For me, I'm right. here to teach folks visual thinking. What are those choices between their brain and their hands and that piece of paper or that tablet or that whiteboard or that right, right, right. Oh, my gosh. We didn't even talk about that as a possibility because we've just been focusing on pens. But I actually did. <laughs> I do have the Apple pen and the tablet and the nice. app. So I Excellent. Have played in that realm as well just for Excellent. anybody who's digital out there. Yeah, I'm. I personally, you have to give me physical materials. That's what makes yeah, me happy. Totally. But all the principles apply, no matter what the materials are, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm here to do. And it's funny. I was just thinking about this again recently. When I was like, I don't know, I was probably like 11. I was thinking to myself, like, I want to create a visual language. And hmm. it was at the time. It was one of the phases where Egyptology was really popular, and they were we we're talking about hieroglyphics. Yeah, and you know, so I think there was something in that. And then like to now look at age 48 and go, I've created a visual language, like in a very different way. <laughs> you had like, your a, vision back then, right? When <laughs> right. So it, it's been really baked in. It's very much how I'm hardwired. So just want to preface that so that for folks putting more pressure on themselves, please don't. We all arrive at different places at different times. That's just, you know, different paces. So thank you for that reassurance. Yeah. Oh, completely. I see so many people who try to compare their, you know, my outsides to their insides. I'm like, oh, honey. <laughs> I think, you know, we had you know. mentioned that before, but one of those is like, don't compare my um, my middle to your beginning type of thing as well, yeah, where it's exactly. like, I'm this much further along on the path. Exactly. And I can tell you, you know, when I was, when I fell into that work of graphic facilitation, first, I had no idea anyone got paid to do this. And when I found out about it in October of 1996. Like, it just made sense to me. Like, it was just one of those where somebody said, see that person doing that thing? And I said, yeah. And they said, you're going to do it in 20 minutes. Like, it was crazy pants. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was that. I had done my first year of college. I had mapped out a talk at the same It was an English professor. We had to give a big speech at the end of the semester. And the night before, I pictured it. So, I went in the next morning and drew it out on the chalkboard. And the English professor looked at me like I was an alien who dropped from the sky. I love that. She had no you idea. You just naturally so it just, did it. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And thankfully. And then I found mean, there was true. something that was called that. And you. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. And <laughs> in my particular, I consider myself, I mean, believe me, there has been strife. There has been issues. But on this front, people have let me work the way I work best. And that's what I want for each person. If it's visual thinking, I would love to teach you. If it's another way of, of learning or working, like find the ways that work best for you. That's it. I did not have a lot of people getting in the way of that, which was very, very fortunate. So fall into this work of graphic facilitation, get this amazing gift of all these different clients, different industries, different conversations. And to see, you know, in the moment, I'm like responding to what they're saying. And what I love is I get to listen to these conversations. I prefer in that particular role, I prefer when it's a, uh, like a strategy conversation versus like presenters at an annual conference. Like, right. 
find what I can draw any of it out. But what I love is when you have people in the room trying to be better at what they do and work better together. Because I'm hearing how much of it's universal. Getting to hear what are they working through? How are they communicating? How can I listen to what they're saying and find those connections and find those patterns? And how can I show them on that piece of paper? So at that time, I was getting lots of experience. There wasn't, I mean, at that time, there was very, 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 very few people doing that particular job. When I came out of that work, I, yeah, please. No, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's it's such a niche type of offering. And that also enabled you to do a lot of things because there wasn't, you know, you could go up, you basically just had to sell your idea to them for the most part. The biggest thing was when somebody said, so what do you do? Right, <laughs> right, right. That answer. And this is a pro tip for Your anyone who has a weird job. Like 10 minutes long. No. <laughs> yeah, like, no, well, no, it was, it was so, no, I, thankfully I'm, I'm a synthesizer. I tend to be concise, but I'm also explaining something people have never heard of before. Right. So this is a pro tip for anybody with a weird job. Everything shifted. So originally when somebody would say, what do you do? I'd say, well, I do, I'm a graphic facilitator. And they'd look at me, like, like they'd look through me, right? right? You know, when somebody's just like staring through you. And then one day I said, I've got a very strange job. And then I described what I did. And what happened in just adding that one sentence was people went from being defensive and that feeling of like, wait, people pay you to do what? To curious. Right. So right. if anyone else can use that, you use that in good help. on them, right? Love yeah, that. yeah. And so I was doing the work and then I had this, <laughs> actually, the, the, the anniversary of this just came up and I was like updating a blog post about it. What year was it? Now, I'm not good with time, but I was on a trip with my then boyfriend to New Zealand and I had a dream. I was laying out a book about one particular, the output part of graphic facilitation. I, I taught something a couple times called the Essential Eight, which was trying to really prioritize taking that thinking, taking that listening, and what is most important on the page. It's not icons. It's not drawing as most people narrowly define it. It is getting some bullet points to show that one idea is distinct from another, how to connect ideas with lines, like really basic stuff. But that night, and I was in Auckland, and I had this incredibly vivid dream that I was laying out a book about about the essential eight specifically. And I woke up and I went, oh, I guess I'm writing a book. So I went from this experience. I saw that post recently, actually. And I was yeah. like, yes, it's like, um, now it all makes sense because it was kind of like a drapery in a um, hotel room. Yes. It felt like, and I was like, what does that mean? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's so interesting. I want to just stop you there for a second because Please. it is about following our intuitions, right? Like, this job found you, okay? That was the first part of graphic facilitation. And then being like, I had this vision of a dream. Like you became successful and built a life and a business around noticing, right? Like I have a whole podcast yep. episode on noticing. You notice the direction, the cues, the clues telling Completely. you what to do for your path. 200%. I intuitively chose, I was the first person in my family to go to college, no idea how to college, intuitively chose a fantastic place to go, which put me in that classroom where I did this drawing and the teacher didn't, you know, <laughs> didn't stop me and, you know, intuitively fell into this work. And I think for those of us who have well-honed intuition, we understand how incredibly powerful it is. And it is very much, you can hone it and pay attention and 
tune in. I think a lot of people who have don't really think in that way or feel that kind of practice, they think it's magical. Kind of like I said about being tapped right. with the talent stick. Coincidence. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's given this very kind of like airy fairy, da-da-da, whatever. I believe that intuition is about being fully present in yourself. It's about self-awareness. It's about situational awareness of what's around you. So it isn't just this like dope do dope, I'm walking down the street and like it's a flash, right? It it truly is a knowing. It's cultivating a sense of knowing in yourself. And what's so crazy is I wrote the second book. I can tell you a little bit about why one was first and one was second. But the second book, The Idea Shapers, for all visual thinkers, over 400 pages. I was A good friend of mine, she's worked with a Jung Institute here in Chicago. Jung very, very much about intuition and all these tapping into different ways of knowing. And she goes, this whole book is about intuition. And I said, yeah, I just wrote 400 pages and never said the word intuition. Right. <laughs> the nose on my face, you know, like, I, yeah, but I think that that it is very much it's all information. Like I think an, another thing we talked about in the last session was this, you know, the capital A art part of when people think mm-hmm. visual. So often we do these ridiculous separation of emotional versus logical left versus right and all these ways we like divide compartmentalize information. Yeah. Yeah, it's all information. If I'm feel like I might notice, like physically, I'm feeling a sharp pain. That's information. Am I tense because I'm writing out a strategy I should not execute? I'm feeling, you know, really kind of like so I'm feeling elated. Yeah, right it down to like a whole base level. Well, and it's it's truly it's all information. It pain. This actually I learned when I was in chronic pain, which thankfully I can put in the past tense. And I was working with my doctor and I was getting frustrated because we were trying to figure out the source of it. A huge source of it was I wasn't letting myself process emotions. And that's a whole nother show, a whole nother podcast. Totally. We but, all. Right. But the when I talked about this, he he that he's the one who said every pain is information. Just like let it notice it and don't put it on a giant pile. <laughs> like it's just this is information I'm getting right now. And what am I going to do with that? So I don't put people like even though my models like talk about four types of drawing or five types of visual thinkers. It's never about dividing and compartmentalizing. It's all context setting. It's right, all right, awareness. Right. It's all and noticing it's about what's identifying resonating. for people, like so they can see within themselves. Because we do exactly. I think as a teacher, you are helping people with cues rather than compartmentalizing them or putting them in a container. You're just helping yep. them see what is already within them. You know, and I think it's interesting in the whole build a body of work piece. Like you listen to the intuition and the first piece was solid. And then, you know, in terms of the graphic facilitator piece, like you were introduced to that. But what I I really also want to point out is that all of the body of work streams are related. You know, your Mm -hmm. books are on the same subject. You weren't like, I'm going to write a book on intuition because you aren't a Jungian scholar, but you wrote about, you may have used those ideas, but you wrote about what your work is and what you know. And it's something I talk to people about my clients. Like it's almost like figuring out how to repackage your knowledge in multiple ways so that it can connect with people in different realms. So you can broaden your audience in that. And that's what you've done by the book, the course. You literally have a course that is this whole book. It's literally (laughs) this book in a digital course. So I want to talk about that idea of the body of work being 
focused so that yes. you're always yes, talking wanna, about the same thing, so to speak. Exactly. I would love to sh- tie a bow on the book and then talk about the course, how we got into that. And then this idea of a metaphor for that oh, body of work. Nice. Yeah. So the first thing was, you know, I woke up in Auckland with that incredibly vivid dream. And I didn't mention before, I could feel how successful the book was. It wasn't just the doing, it was the, I could feel the impact it was going to have. So my then boyfriend was off at a philosophy conference. I, I'm wandering around. I find this cafe and I sit down. I'm like, okay. And I have this little circle of, I want to write a book about visual thinking for everyone, but I should write the book about graphic facilitation because that's what everybody knows me for. But I want to write the book about visual thinking. So I went through these cycles, right? And I just went, no, 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 no. Write the book about graphic facilitation, get it out of the way. Now, how many people write a book feeling like they're getting it out of the way? Right, right. Like it's 400 crazy. pages, gonna get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was an important part of the body of work in the process to say, you know what? I've got, at that point, I had 16 years' experience in the room with these glorious humans. You know, like I was ready with the experience. Do not write a book for books because you w- just want a glorified business card. Yes. Writing a book does change the way people respond to you, but if you've written a book that isn't the core of what you're doing or is badly written, it's not going to do you any favors. This right. is why I love that you're the long game. I love that you're talking about how you're truly growing in really grounded and sustainable ways. So I did write the first book, and it's a super solid book, even though like it was written quickly. It was like it was re- I was ready. Like let's just get this out there. And then uh, the second book, which was, again, for all types of visual thinkers, not necessarily that specific job title, that book was an entirely different experience. But what happened when I wrote the Idea Shaper book, that was launched, the first book was published in spring of 2012. The second book was <laughs> fall of 2016. Don't launch your book the day after the American election in 2016. Oh, God, Do not recommend. Yeah. yeah, nothing in November <laughs> of a presidential. <laughs> I said... Launching that book was like trying to scream into a plane engine. Oh my <laughs> God, seriously, I feel yeah. that. Both books, I'm thinking about what are the core principles that I'm trying to teach someone. I do want to be in somebody's head after they've read the book or done a workshop with me. Early on, people would, I would get this feedback where I'd work with a group of people and then they say, yeah, we constantly tell each other, what would Brandy do? What would Brandy do? And I'm like, that's good because they're thinking, right? right? They're bringing in new thoughts and skills and ways of working. So the the second book was especially challenging, The Idea Shapers, because I was trying to break down visual thinking into extremely learnable pieces. So many of these things happen simultaneously. Each of us have different skills and different aspects of this. Like one chapter in the book, you might be like, well, duh, I already know that. Another chapter you might read and go, I have no idea what she's talking about, right? Because it's just the, the complexity of this. But as I'm writing it, I am thinking about what is a systematic way to teach this? What are the components? When I did the TEDx talk, that was 2013. So the first book was out. I actually made my TEDx talk the five steps that the book was organized by. The Mm. book was nowhere near, but I was at the point. Now, don't rush this if you're not there. But I was at the point where I'm thinking, okay, I know this TED talk, this TEDx talk, TEDx Windy City, is going to be a seed. It's going to be a seed where I can plant these ideas. And it is an important part, very visual, shared part of what I do. So I was at a point where I could talk about those five steps. At that point, I didn't know exactly what the idea shapers were, those individual techniques within each of those steps. But I felt enough strength in 
you know, the, the big picture view of this to know that that was going to work. So what happened was when you talk about the course, I, a big challenge of teaching this in a book is you're trying to fit things on flat pieces of paper and put them in an order. Right. right. <laughs> so I would literally have people come up to me and they'd, they'd say like, I can tell I'm holding up the book for those on the podcast. They'd like point at it and say, I can tell there's really good stuff in here, but I don't know how to navigate it. This is a really good dense reference book. One thing is it's a book. It's just a very specific modality and way of teaching. I was going to say, you have to be able to absorb the learning from that book. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think the absorbing is the putting it into practice. Mm -hmm. So when people were telling me that, I went, oh, okay, great. Okay. I see what's happening. One big thing was just what the limits of a book as a format. Another thing is sequence, step-by-step learning. Mm -hmm. I'm the type of learner. I'm not a step-by-step learner. I am a throw myself in the deep end of the pool and I'm going to flail around and I'm okay with flailing around. I'll figure it out. And I was getting this really important feedback that folks were saying like, this book doesn't work for me. So I thought, okay, well, what could that be? And I ended up creating the shape of the idea or the Agerbeck method, the course. So I'm holding up a, a board that has uh, nine circles on it and each circle is a module. But it was thinking, okay, let's take all the concepts, all these 24 techniques in the book. How would I teach them sequentially? How would I teach them step-by-step? What do folks need to know first? What do they need to know next? So they can build and practice every single lesson as a practice builder. And because it's video-based, I can do so much more than I could do in the pages of a book. And it's all integrated. I'm using the same language in the book as I'm using in the course. I now use the same language in virtual workshops and my virtual annual event. It's all part of a system. So somebody may come into the ecosystem or join me for when the drawing is a verb sessions and it might feel a little weird and a little foreign, but it's like, and especially if other folks are on those calls who that they might, like, for instance, we nicknamed the Agerbeck method AGME. A-G-M-E. So people will be like, what the heck's AGME? What the heck's AGME? And you have right. to say, okay. Well, you then get your own, right, vocabulary, jargon, all of that. Exactly. That takes time when you go into anyone's world though, right? Like exactly. Exactly. World, you have to, yes. you pick up on those pieces. Exactly. And now like once I, I, I still stand behind the five steps of the book. I think that was the right structure for the book. And once I came up with the nine modules and the sequence in the Agerbeck method, now it's like I can talk about when you think about those choices of how do you take your ideas and your thoughts and your feelings and get them on the piece of paper, there's nine general categories of choices. So now again, I'm giving people a context. Right. And I've got, you know, so the, the course is step-by-step and sequential. The one-day workshop is kind of the intensive where you say, I don't have 20 hours to go through 90 lessons. <laughs> like, right, right, right. like, give me a whole lot at once. So what I'm doing is I'm not recycling. One thing that I love about this is loving taking the same concept or technique and teaching it in a different way. And it's all within the same system. Right. right so right. it's, yeah. And it doesn't so feel like repetitive. It feels like, awesome. and what's cool is you can hop in at any point along the way because it is repetitive to a certain extent. You are circulating through those nine pieces. So if in a workshop you are covering two of them, you will then cover two more next time but it's still a long enough time before you come back around to those two again, or three. So let's make it easy. Three, 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 right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, for nine. Forgive me. Nope. Forgive me. No, no. I saw you wince when I was like, two. No, oh, no, no, no. No, I'm just joking. No, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 
that makes sense because then people can come in because of the way things are too, the way you've broken things down. And this is something to think about, like, you know, for all of us who have a method, right? Like your method can be taught out of order to a certain extent, because Mm -hmm. even though you teach it sequentially, you can learn about color and you can learn about line, but you could also learn about line and you could learn about color. And that's- yes a part of the process that allows people to come in. It's almost like an evergreen system you've created in promotion, what you're doing. And that's the light bulb moment here for people who are creating their own body of work. Like that has worked for you and and has allowed you to build. For sure. Each of us have to find the right, we have to find the shape of what it is we're trying to teach. And even in, in the body of work I teach, that's the skill set I teach, the body of work I'm building and the skill set I teach, I had one shape for the book, which was five steps based on the human hand. And then, then when the course came about and I had a different objective, sequential step-by-step, it took a different shape. And the language is consistent throughout it. And that second shape of the nine modules had to emerge So I think very often people are trying to force what they know into an existing shape. And so often Mm -hmm. it's, it has to be three things or it has to be five things or da, 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 right? So I think giving ourselves the space to really look at the pile of knowledge we have and let that shape emerge. Another thing that's, you know, it's interesting when I, when I wrote the Idea Shaper book, I had other people like me, very thoughtful, overthinky folks who were like, well, what if there's another Idea Shaper? I'm like, no, I think I got it. (laughs) It's like that that confidence in your expertise. And you're like, you know what? If there's another idea shaper later, I have a context to put it in. It hasn't happened yet, but I have a context to put it in. So I think that I just want to want folks, if you listener or watcher take anything away from this, give yourself the time and space to be messy and push stuff around and let the shape of your work emerge. Instead of, I have to look perfectly buttoned up and organized, and I'm going to give this talk, and it's going to look like this, because you really are setting up structures and and a way of thinking for your learners. And I think it is important that when you do come up with a way of teaching and that context and that shape, that you are teaching it consistently. So don't rush that. Please don't rush that. And know that if you do have a shape emerge, that it, it you you are able to adapt. You know, it is it is not carved in stone. Completely. That is so valuable what you just dropped here. (laughs) I mean, I I could almost end on it, but I do want to say one thing that it's also the the parts in your process are valuable as well. So it is that shape that you create, but the fact that you created a TED Talk on the five, that that was just one part of it. So look how valuable, like we always have to jump to the end and be like, oh, but like that process has these valuable pieces inside and you have to look at all of them, you know, as you're moving along and as you're building and as you're creating in your world. And this applies for anyone's method, a coach who has a method, a subject matter expert who has a method, like there are all of these beautiful things inside You've got your method, but what's that path there? What are the five tenets that got you to that method? Or, you know, those can all be pieces that are parts of the whole that have value that you can build out from as well. For sure. And I think, you know, one thing just to reiterate, I I described it once with the people 
literally holding up the book, pointing at it and saying, this doesn't work <laughs> and listening and noticing what are they yes. saying? A hundred percent. Right. You came and I went, back oh, to that. I'm so glad you came back to that point. Yeah. Well, and it happened again when, when I started teaching virtual workshops and I built out a membership when I was, it was brilliant because we were having conversations in my membership where folks are talking are talk, you know, they're they're sharing their process out loud and I'm noticing what are they getting stuck on? Where are they plateauing? And then I went, oh, you know what? I see the immediate need for my specific glorious group of humans. And something that came later in the body of work was in my member in the highest one tier of my membership, I do three deep dive workshops a year, which come from what the group needs. It also comes from, you know what, I haven't tackled this yet, but it's basically diving deep into one of those nine categories. It still fits in a shape. And one we just had, it was literally pretty much just talking about one single idea shaper out of the 24 idea shapers. Six hours. Right. Like (laughs) really go deep. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We are all these experts, right? Like we all can go. And I love this conversation because it's giving everyone permission to go do that. Go deep. For sure. Go deep and develop that. Don't stop at this one part. Go deep and create that in another incarnation or another element type of, or another, you know, another medium as well for your work. Completely. I just want to encourage everybody to keep going, right? In what you're doing, build that and body you're going to be, work. And you're going to keep learning from your experience. You as the creator and the expert, you're, you keep on taking in new practice and experience, new examples, new audiences that you can then just keep more beautiful, beautiful trees in that ecosystem or animals or mountains, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brandy, for all of the wisdom here. I think this conversation is really valuable and one that, you know, needs to be had to be able to come inside your world and see and hear from you about it to open people's eyes and open their minds and open their creativity. So thank you so much. Awesome. You're very, very welcome. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more info in the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on iTunes and leave me a review. Until next time, keep playing the long game.